This program was produced with the support of StoryHive, creativity connected by TELUS. For more information, please visit storyhive.com. You're listening to Views from Chinatown. I'm your host, Gabriel Yi. Just want to acknowledge that this podcast was produced on Treaty 7 territory here in Mokinstis, Calgary, Chinatown. First off, I want to give a big thank you to Tell a Story Hive for giving us the opportunity to produce this podcast series. Their support has been amazing through the process. Um, it's the first time for, for everyone kind of on this project. And definitely check out other Story Hive projects at storyhive.com. This podcast series, Views from Chinatown, is essentially a deep dive into the fabric of Calgary's Chinatown. We wanted to hear from three kind of varied perspectives of those who live and work in the community. We're hoping that these voices will represent the past, present, and future, and sort of the evolution of what Calgary Chinatown is. Our first guest is Raymond Lau. Raymond's family has owned what I consider to be one of the iconic Chinese restaurants in Calgary's Chinatown, and that's Golden Inn. I'm born and raised Calgary, and Chinatown has always been a part of my upbringing in my life. And Golden Inn has long been a late night favorite uh, in my circle. And after chatting with Raymond, I had a better understanding of what this restaurant means to the community and its history and its culture. Golden Inn has been in Calgary's Chinatown since the 70s and has seen drastic changes to the community that are unique to the businesses there. You know, everything from the flood of 2013 to things that happen around Stampede and to one of my favorite late night things, and that's this thing we call specialty. So with that in mind, let's get into it. I'm Gabriel Yi, and uh, we're here on a rainy Saturday afternoon with my friend Raymond Lau, whose family has owned Golden Inn in Chinatown in Calgary. And today we're going to ask uh, Raymond some questions about kind of the history of, of Golden Inn. And uh, what we really want to learn from you, Raymond, is is you know your your the restaurant that your family owns and, and kind of the stories behind like you know being in Chinatown for thirty odd years and and that and and that kind of experience. So, how you doing? Good. How's uh how's the restaurant doing during all of this right now? Uh, it's really really tough. I mean with lockdown, all the restrictions, can't do dining. Um, it's it's been tough. We're we're trying to. Hold on as best we can. Mm-hmm, I bet, I bet. What kind of things did you guys do to kind of pivot when, when everything happened? All sorts of little things, just like getting on with the takeout app. Um, at first, we were kind of reluctant to do it because they take, you know, pretty hefty fees. But nowadays, like everyone's on their phone, they're ordering through Skip the Dishes, DoorDash, Uber Eats, whatever. So it's something that we had to do. Mm-hmm. And it's been pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. It must be such like a quantum shift from like, how business was being run in restaurants even just you know a few years ago compared to now, eh? Yeah, totally. Like yeah. You're always having to adapt, and things are always changing. There's more competition and different restaurants and all these food bloggers now, and yeah, you always have to keep evolving. Yeah, I bet. So, I mean, that, that kind of leads me then to kind of my first question is, 
Golden Inn has been in Calgary since like the late 70s. And it's kind of been a staple in our community. Um, everybody kind of has a, a very different experience with Golden Inn. Some people I know like they order, order from, from Golden Inn or they come eat here like every single week. They're kind of like your regulars. But then also know like there's, there's kind of a culture of people who used to come here like, you know, after late night, after late night partying or whatever. And so there's kind of this like duality to, to community that, that, that serves your restaurant. And, and I love to learn more about that. So, but maybe the best thing to do is, um, what if we started from like the beginning? Tell me about Golden Inn as if I'm someone who, you know, we obviously can have people who are listening to this that aren't from Calgary or may not have come to your restaurant. So how would you explain what Golden Inn is and who you guys are to someone who's never heard of you guys before? Okay. Um, so I guess my dad um, opened the restaurant in 1977. Um, he's worked here every day since. Um, we open a bit later. We open at 4 p.m., but we stay open till 3 a.m. on weekend or weekdays until 4 a.m. on the weekends. And we're kind of known as like that, you know, after hours, late night place to go. Um, it's a lot of like, you know, when bars close, um, clubs, casinos close, everyone kind of flocks here at around 2 a.m. Um, it's actually pretty cool. Like around 2 a.m., there's usually like a line out the door. Um, <laughs> and after like around 3 or 4 a.m., there's like a taxi stand outside waiting to pick people up and wow. it's like one of the, the you know the go-to places to to go hang out or eat after having a fun night out so it's almost like there's like its own kind of like hub of activity here late at night sometimes yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty pretty cool it's a pretty cool vibe i definitely got to say that the many times i came late at night there was always a cab after which is always nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting to hear that you know you guys have been been here since the 70s and 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 you've kind of become this like niche almost right so was that kind of always like the idea or or, or did you when you guys open was it did you open with the idea of being a late night place or like how, how did that kind of evolve yeah so i was kind of like talking to my dad you know asking about the history of all this and he was saying it's always been late night um so back in the you know the late 70s 80s um in chinatown there's a bunch of like casinos and, and that kind of stuff where people just, you know, go gamble and that kind of stuff. And once we're closed, all the gamblers would come, but all the people working at the casinos would come too. Right. And so we've always had that like late night vibe yeah. since from the very beginning. It, it's interesting to think that culture is also like people who work late and they still need a place to eat too, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So much like Raymond, I grew up in a family of business owners. My mom had a fish and chip store back in the 80s in North Hill Mall. And more often than not, you'd probably find me in the back, you know, either washing dishes or peeling potatoes or whatnot, and just helping with whatever my mom deemed I was worthy of helping out with. So there's, there's a lot of unique stories that, you know, you can only really experience if you grew up in a restaurant family. And Raymond's story is no different. One of the questions that's always top of my mind uh, when I talk to friends who are, you know, the sons and daughters of restaurant owners is what's next? You know, are they planning to take over their parents' restaurants? Do their parents want them to take over the restaurants? These are kind of like very big questions that happen in the community because there's this idea of generational succession, right? Do you want your kids to do this hard business of working long hours and, and all this, everything that comes with owning a restaurant, or do you want them to do something else? On the opposite side of it, there's this question of, you know, do we want to take over our parents' businesses? 
or do we want to continue the legacy of our parents' businesses? There's two very different questions with kind of two very different connotations because, you know, we watch our parents run these businesses and they're hard and they're, they're, they're long hours and all that, everything that comes with that. So I talked to Raymond about this and I, I felt like he had really great insight into this. You growing up in Golden Inn and Chinatown, what, what was like that childhood like? Like when did you start working at the restaurant? Was it very young? Was it always kind of like, you know, um, your parents were at the restaurant and you're at home? Like tell me about your, your childhood growing up with the uh, restaurant in your like life. Like from my earliest memories, um, like me, I, so there's me and I have two younger brothers, um, Calvin and Vincent, and we spent like every free time here, like growing up, when we were kids, you know, after school we would come here, on the weekends we'd come here, and we just like, kind of like our own backyard, you know? We grew up here, we knew all the businesses nearby, and it was just, like it was something normal. What kind of stuff did you guys have to do at the restaurant? Uh, it's little things, I mean, we were kids, so stuff like, um, you know, my mom would wash the dishes, she would push the cart out, we would have to like, you know, put it away, or we would have to get all the table settings done. Um, so we're kind of kids, right? So we're like, you know, let's make a game out of this. So like me and my brothers, would kind of have like competitions mm -hmm. where we can say, hey, let's, who can set up the most dishes in the nicest, neatest fashion, and then whoever wins gets a free spring roll or something. <laughs> and so you kind of turn any little thing into a game to kind of make it fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, that's a very different childhood than most kids out there. So how did you navigate that with, like, when you're a kid? Like, you know, your friends are like, hey, let's go do this thing. And you're like, no, I got to go work at the restaurant. Like, did that happen a lot? Or? Yeah, I did. I remember one time where I, like, I just got really fed up or annoyed. And I was like, screw this restaurant. Um, sort of like just anger. <laughs> My mom came and she actually like, like slapped me. Like, like, what did you say? This, you know, this family supports, you know, supports us, does everything, pays all their bills. Like, you can be mad at anything, but don't be mad at this restaurant. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, it's interesting. I could, I could see how, as a kid, you're kind of like, why is it this thing that just completely takes over my life? Yeah. I, gr I grew up in an entrepreneurial family too, so my dad had like a one-hour photo store, had a, had a bunch of them, and then my mom had a fish and chips uh, fast food place in one of the malls, and same thing, like I was like 12, 13 years old, like in the back peeling potatoes for french fries and stuff like that, while all my friends are like playing hockey or yeah, like playing absolutely. soccer or whatever, right? So it's, it's, it's like kind of this like interesting segment of like being uh, business owners, kids, while still trying to be, you know, Canadian Chinese kids, right? So yeah. Then as you kind of got older, like what was your thought about like the restaurant? Was it something that you guys were interested in like continuing to work in? Or did you guys kind of take your parents' entrepreneurial spirit and kind of go do your own thing? Like, like what was the path you decided to choose? And, and did, the, did the restaurant influence that? Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, like I knew at a really young age, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, it was probably, a lot of it was because of my parents, how they kind of really inspired me in terms of like how hard you have to work. And that's something that kind of really instilled in me. Um, I mean, like they worked hard. Mm -hmm. um, I'm talking like seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. Christmas, New Year's, Exactly, well, that, well that's, yeah. that's the thing. Cause like, you know, when people are on holidays, that's when restaurants are the most busy. Um, you know, like for example, like, yeah, like you said, Christmas Eve, Christmas day, New Year's, everyone, like every business has it off. But you no, know, Chinese restaurants are open because that's one of the busiest days. Mm -hmm. it's, it'd be foolish to be closed those days. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it makes sense and it just kind of inspires me to kind of be an entrepreneur and that's kind of what I did. Mm -hmm. um, my brother actually um, is a she head chef. Mm. Um, so he kind of followed my dad's footsteps. Cool. Um, I wanted to, except I just don't have the skills and the patience <laughs> to, to kind of do it. So does he work it. here? 
He did for a bit, yeah. Yeah. And then where does he work now? He is currently the head chef at Annabelle's Kitchen. Cool. Yeah, in Kensington. That's interesting to see that kind of like, you know, everyone kind of took different path, eh? Yeah. When you guys made those decisions, I mean, like your brother being a coming a chef, I could see how maybe your parents were like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. But when you're like, hey, I want to do something else, like what was your parents' response to that? Um, no, they were, they were very uh, encouraging. Um, they helped me a lot with school and all that kind of stuff. Did and they, they want you to continue in the restaurant? Yeah, they did. They yeah. do. And I, and I want to. Um, and that was probably one of the biggest reasons why, like, in 2013, um, after the big, bad flood that Calgary had, um, our basement was entirely flooded. Wow. So within the first, like, couple of minutes, when, like, the pipes were bursting with water, yeah. um, my mom called me. She was like, hey, you know, our basement pipes are, like, water's bursting out. It's, like, filling up. And, you know, after an hour, she's like, it's, like, up to my knees. And oh my after an hour, it's, like, you know, up to my hips, whatever. And, uh, and your whole basement was flooded. Whole basement was so flooded. So what was down there at the time? So it was, it's a storage room. Okay. So it was actually horrible timing because it was like, I can't remember, it was like a week or two right before Stampede. Yeah. And Stampede is, is like by far our busiest time of the year. Yeah. So that's when like we had all the new shipments of food and everything ready and all prepped, ready to go. And it just destroyed everything. Crazy. Yeah. And it kept filling up. It filled the entire basement onto the main level. So what did you guys do? So we were closed for 10 weeks. Um, had a shutdown. Ten down. weeks. Ten weeks. Um, yeah. Wow. And the crazy thing is, like, I was born in, you know, raised in Calgary, have always been a proud Calgarian, but, like, during that flood was, like, the most, like, rewarding, eye-opening thing ever because the entire community, like, came and, like, helped us rebuild, a, you know, as soon as possible. Like, tons of people all over the city, volunteers, came and they were, like, you know, in, like, hazmat suits and gloves and masks and, like, ripping up the carpet and chucking, you know, mm-hmm. rotted food, whatever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, you know, a lot of things had to be replaced and stuff like that. So did you take that opportunity to then kind of, like, evolve a little bit? Or was it just, like, let's just get back to normal and, like, kind of get to the, you know, back open again? Like, like tell me more about kind of... Yeah, it's a little bit, it's a level combination of both. Um, we obviously want to get open, like, a- ASAP. Um, at the same time, I mean, the restaurant's really, really old. So, you know, we took it that time to kind of replace some of the carpets the chairs, um, rebuild new shelving downstairs, get newer equipment, that mm-hmm, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we kind of talk, we try to take some of the the positives out of a you know bad situation. Yeah, no doubt. So when you reopened, what was the response like? like it was like it was seriously incredible. Um, um, even when we were closed, like we would have we have a lot of really loyal customers, and they were calling nonstop. You know, hey, when are you open? How soon? Can I do to help? That kind of stuff. But I remember that the first day we opened. Um, like a lot of people brought, like they gave us flowers, mm. gift baskets. You know, we were booked solid for the next like couple weeks. Mm. Um, yeah, that's cool. It was it was, it was a pretty amazing feeling. Yeah. It was also kind of right around that time where like my parents were like at that age where like they were thinking about retiring, yeah. um, maybe selling their business, all that kind of stuff. And that's where I like, I had like a really long sit down conversation with my brothers and be like, hey, you know, we grew up at this restaurant. Do we want you know our parents to sell it, or do we want to take it over, mm-hmm. build as a family legacy, mm-hmm. um, and maybe who knows, pass it on to our kids down the road? Mm-hmm. And that's where we kind of made the decision to to kind of like take over a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, be a lot more involved, and that's where we were kind of a lot more hands on mm-hmm. than we were kind of prior to that. Mm-hmm. And is that kind of still the same now, or yeah, yeah and it kind of everything kind of worked worked together too. Um, so I'm I'm in internet marketing, yeah. So I kind of did a whole like marketing stuff, created social media accounts for them which they've never heard of, they don't even yeah. know what it is. Um, my brother's a chef, so he started working here for a few years. And then my other brother is a graphic designer. 
So he kind of came in and like redid the new menus, you know, signage, all that little stuff. So it's like you guys took all your existing skill yeah. and kind of put it back into the restaurant. So I grew up going to Chinatown at least, I want to say once a week. If you know Calgary Chinatown at all, you, you'll know that it's changed a lot. There used to be a movie theater in Calgary Chinatown that played Hong Kong movies. I don't remember if they were like new releases at the time or if they you know, had been out already for a while, but I just remember there was a Hong Kong style movie theater in Calgary Chinatown and it was the best. It was like such a vibe. You know, you could smoke in the theater, which was crazy if you think about it. Um, but back then, that you know, it was the, the times were just different. I guess you could smoke in the theater, but the best thing was the concession was not your typical concession. It still had your popcorn, your candy bars, and all that kind of stuff, but it had you know Asian snacks. It had like the stuff that you would find on the shelves at Asian grocery stores, which was awesome because those were all the things that I grew up with. So the movie theater was a, was a big part of what Chinatown used to be for me. And I think for a lot of people growing up in Calgary Chinatown and coming to Calgary Chinatown, there are a lot of things that used to be around but aren't anymore. So there's a lot of nostalgia around that. And, um, you know, I asked, I asked Raymond to share about his time growing up in Chinatown. So the whole, the whole concept of this, this podcast is... Uh, is different views from different people from within Chinatown. And we felt like your view was very unique because, I mean, you're kind of like the same age as me. Like, we're not necessarily old, though we're not necessarily young, but, you know, we, we grew up in Chinatown, kind of very formative years of Chinatown developing. So tell me about, you know, as a kid, you know, you're here at the restaurant all the time. What was your Chinatown experience like? Where were the places you went? Like, what was around that wasn't around, that isn't around now? Like. Give me kind of like an insight or, or give our audience kind of an insight to like Chinatown and like the 80s, 90s. Okay. Um, so yeah, I guess I spent a lot of time at the restaurant, but then any time that was outside the restaurant would be around Chinatown. So like for example, like I would get my haircut next door, actually where Paper Lantern is now. Oh, and wow. I got my haircut there for probably 20 years. It, was, it cost five bucks, including tip. Um, <laughs> it was the awesomest place. And once they kind of closed, I was devastated. <laughs> when you had to pay like you know forty bucks for a haircut at a normal place now, it was literally five dollars. It was literally five bucks for even. like for that for the for 20 like twenty years, years yeah. Because <laughs> I remember like you know we were five bucks and then they raised our price. So other people, I think they were charging them ten bucks, yeah. but because we were loyal old whatever customers, it was always five bucks for like forever. Um, and then yeah, we went to like Chinese school around here. I took kung fu at Manji Dong. Um, did piano. you go to the main Chinese school? I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the big one, right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people went there. A lot of people went there, yeah. I, I had piano lessons here. Um, like, basically, we went grocery shopping, shopping, like anything that we had to go anywhere was always in, in, around Chinatown. So over the past few years, um, you've kind of seen yet another shift in Chinatown. Yeah. So now you see kind of like bigger, like, you know, Taiwanese or even Hong Kong chains opening shop here, like the bubble tea place yeah. and like the noodle place. Um, you kind of see... Uh, this new generation of people opening business here. So there's like the taco place, is the Indonesian place. Being someone who's been here for 30, 40 years, what's your thoughts on that? And, and what are some of the things that you kind of want to see happen in Chinatown? Yeah, I know. I kind of like, I kind of like, my mind has changed a few times with this subject. 
Um, at first, I was kind of like a bit reluctant to kind of accept it, mm-hmm. just because it's Chinatown. It should be Chinese businesses, um, and that's kind of always was the way for the for the longest time. Um, but like you said, you know, there's Korean restaurants now, and Mexican tacos, and all sorts of stuff, and you know, international bubble tea places. Um, I actually love it now um, mm-hmm. because it's it's bringing in a whole new crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I kind of see things is, you know, during my parents' generation. Um, it was a lot more older people, a lot more senior homes, all that kind of stuff. And Calgary Chinatown kind of lost that whole younger vibe, mm-hmm. nightlife. Because um, back then, there's like, you know, karaoke bars mm-hmm. and, and cool things to come, you know, check out. Like BJ Dessert House. Yeah. That was a staple for, for so long yeah. where anyone would just come down here for, for yeah. bubble tea. But then once, once, you know, Dessert House closed... For a few years there, there was like, you know, there was nothing. It was, it was like just, a dead zone. It was a dead zone. <laughs> um, and then that's bad for the next future generation when no kids are coming here. Um, but yeah, like you said, in the last couple of years, there's been this, you know, influx of like, you know, bubble tea shops, yeah. dessert places, ice cream places, which brings people to Chinatown. Yeah. And I've, I think that's amazing. So I want to talk about food. Chinese cuisine in North America is sometimes segmented into two categories, and that's traditional and Western. And traditional Chinese food is exactly what it says, traditional Chinese food, things you'd find, you know, on a menu in China. But Western Chinese food is something that has always kind of been a part of my life and a part of a lot of Asian Canadians' lives. Calgary kind of has a unique uh, tie to Western Chinese food. And that's the, um, uh, the story that ginger beef was, it was invented in Calgary. Whether that's, you know, the historical fact, again, I'm no, I'm no expert, I'm not sure. This is just what I've been told and what I've read. And the dish is also sometimes called crispy beef or chili beef, depending where you are in Canada. And the dish is really quintessential Western Chinese food. So the story goes that the owners of a Chinese restaurant in Calgary, Silver Inn, came up with the dish after, you know, struggling with serving dishes to customers in Calgary. And ginger beef was kind of created and it was a derivative of like an English pub food, which was essentially strips of beef. So what they did is they just did the same thing, fried the strips of beef and made their own kind of sweet, chili, spicy sauce. And ginger beef was born. So ginger beef is one of those Western Chinese dishes that's very unique to Western Chinese restaurants. And there's a long debate whether Western Chinese food has a place in Chinese culture. And my argument has always been yes, because I love it. Don't get me wrong, I, I love traditional Chinese food as well. But there's something about a hot, spicy plate of ginger beef that just sounds amazing. And so I, I talked to Raymond about, you know, Western Chinese food and, and how does it fit into the context of Golden Inn. What I want to talk about is this idea of Western Chinese food. So obviously on your menu, you have a mixed bag of, of cuisine. You have, you know, traditional Chinese cuisine that, you know, obviously we grew up on. Uh, you kind of have like... Um, in Chinese, I think we call it chuk fan min, right? So your noodles, your kanji, and all that kind of stuff. Yep. People like staples that people love to just order and eat all the time. Yeah. But then you also have things on your menu that are very Western influenced. Yeah. So tell me about, you know, what your thoughts are on that and 
from a restaurant perspective, do you see more of that going out or do you see kind of like more like non-Asians that are trying like the Western Chinese food, but then also willing to try like traditional Chinese food? You know, tell me, tell me kind of about that experience in the restaurant. Yeah, so I, I guess maybe because I'm, you know, I, I was born and raised in Calgary, and so I have a, a bit of a Western taste bias. That's what I like. Um, but at the same time, you know, like you said, you know, half our menu, or probably more than half our menu, is a lot of authentic stuff. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of like see a mixed bag where mm -hmm. when a lot of like older Asians come, they'll stick with the traditional stuff. And then when you see like Caucasians come or whatever, they'll get more of the Western stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it might sound bad, but like I kind of stick to the whole <laughs> Russian stuff. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, when you go to a nice banquet at a wedding, okay, I'll eat the Chinese authentic stuff. But like when I'm just out, you know, on a Friday, Saturday night, you know, I want salt and pepper squid, I want ginger beef, I want, you know, what's, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. super tasty. Yeah, all the things that our parents are like, why are you eating that? Exactly, it's so bad, like, every time. Like, no, like, you know, those are, no, like don't eat that, it's extra salty, it's a lot of oil. Eat this instead. Eat yeah. you know, eat congee. Um, salt and pepper squid is by far my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, what's funny about that is, um, it's what you guys are famous for. It's, what, it? it's what we're famous for, but it's, it's also my favorite dish. But the thing is, like, whenever we go out to eat, I'm like, hey, mom, you know, dad, it's your birthday. It's it's Father's Day. Let's go somewhere nice to eat. Yeah. They're like, no, um, let's go to like this other Chinese restaurant yeah. or this Chinese restaurant. Yeah. I'm like, let's change it up. Let's go for like a nice steak restaurant or something or sushi. But they're like, no, like they just they love Chinese food. Um, so whenever we do go, I always get the salt and pepper dish everywhere I go. And when I compare back to this, not to be biased, like it's incredibly good here, whereas <laughs> it's a totally mixed bag everywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't found anywhere else that's come remotely close mm -hmm. um, to how good it is here. And so I guess it just kind of shows that, hey, like our food is actually kind of decent when you try out yeah. some of the other places. What, what do you say makes yours better? Um, I kind of ask my parents that. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, why? Like, like people yeah. can literally come, eat it, and they should be able to replicate it. Like, it, why is it that hard? And I think it's because they use like really high quality, um, the calamari, mm -hmm. uh, squid, mm -hmm. like really high quality. Whereas like right away, my dad's like, oh, that's the, the cheap stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, that stuff costs, you know, X amount of dollars. Whereas our costs costs three to four times more expensive. Wow. Like this restaurant, it, it's it's a truly family own run restaurant. Like my dad's worked there forever. My dad's brother works right beside him. My aunt's in the kitchen washing dishes. My uncle's in there. Um, all the servers working on here have been working here for 20, 30 years. They're all the same guys. All the same guys, <laughs> like all the same guys. Um, and so like, it's just, I don't know, it's a really tight, cohesive group where like, you know, after the restaurant closes, they're all just kind of hanging out and just chilling together and it's their life. Like, mm -hmm. um, even like on the odd days off, like, you know, my dad's like, I want to come here. Um, even nowadays, cause my dad's kind of like retired, mm -hmm. so he's not working here all the time. But he still comes out here and just hangs out and just sits and chats with the other guys. It's familiar. Yeah, it's just familiar. Yeah, it's like a second home. It really is, yeah. yeah. I'm going to let you in on a secret. One of the main reasons I wanted the Golden Inn story in this podcast is because it's really at the heart of some of the best times I've had in Calgary. And I'm talking about those 1 a.m. after party nights and the only thing you're craving is, you know, ginger beef, salt and pepper squid, fried rice, all those things. You know you're going to end up at a place like Golden Inn, even if you got to wait in line. So my friend Alvin and I, we joke all the time about going to Golden Inn. doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing, who we're with, or anything like that. The same question remains at the end of the night is whether or not we're going to Golden Inn. It's basically, 
I would say, a part of our lives in many ways. And I'm sure a lot of you are probably listening to this because you saw the words Golden Inn and you've been there and you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm sure everyone has a Golden Inn story or two, but you got to go to the source and Raymond has some gems for us. Okay, so Raymond, we kind of talked uh, earlier in the conversation about late night culture and how Golden Inn kind of like became this, you know, uh, hub for for late night eats. When did you start noticing that, you know, there was like a a, a whole new generation of late night comers? So now I'm talking specifically about, you know, people after like the clubs coming to a place because in every city there's guaranteed there's going to be a few Chinese restaurants that are open till three, four in the morning. And everybody knows like those are the spots you go to because the food is good and they're going to be open and there's vibes. So tell me about like how, was that always kind of like part of it or, or did that, did you see that kind of evolve over the, over the, over time? I, I feel like it's, it's always been a part of that. Um, but then what's kind of funny is um, it's the next generation's kids that are coming. So you, we would often hear stories of like, Oh, like, you know, my parents used to come here, eat, you know, after the bars and stuff. And now, you know, I eat here now, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, you have that, like, you actually hear that pretty, pretty often. Yeah. Or like, I mean, I don't go out too, too often, um, especially during the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. before the pandemic, you know, when I do go out, um, I would just kind of hear people, you know, the table next door or the group next door talking about, hey, let's go to Chinatown um, to go eat after. And then we're like, well, we're going to go too. Um, and so it's just, yeah, it's... I don't know, it's weird, it's unique, where a lot of times you just kind of come in and you always just recognize or, or know someone because, yeah. you know, it's always the same group of people that kind of yeah. go and hang out, yeah. stay up late. We could do a whole episode of, like, stories of me coming here at, like, 2, 3 in the morning. But are there are there any stories that stick out to you, like late night stories of crazy things that happen or unique things that happen? Yeah, actually, it's funny because, like, every time something happens or some something stupid happens my mom always calls me and tells me the next day <laughs> and like a lot of these are like just like stupid drunken stories right where um they just do things and then they kind of well, i'll tell you a couple stories so one of them is um we have like my mom told me the story and she she laughs about it all, all the time <laughs> whereas like, like a bunch of loyal customers they, they come all the time and right by the front entrance is where like, the lobster crab um tank is mm-hmm. and so they actually sat right beside it um and then one day, late night, you know, the server's like, hey, all the lobsters are kind of missing. Oh, no. <laughs> right? So, like, like, what happened? And so, like, we, we got cameras around the restaurant, so they were kind of, like, watching it. And, like, my parents knew who was sitting there. Like, they, they know them well. But they were kind of, like, super low-key about it. They were all, you know, drunk. They would kind of, you know, look back, make sure the servers aren't looking. And they would just literally just take one lobster and, like, walk out with it. No way. They ended up taking six lobsters. Um, and then, like, we were watching them, they were, like, drunk, they were, like, you know, shushing on their tables, not to tell us, all that kind of stuff. And then what's funny was, so we opened at 4 p.m. every day, and as my parents were kind of coming in at 4 o'clock, they were there waiting for us, and they kind of, like, you know, apologized and said, hey, we were drunk, here's the money for no the lobsters, and they even gave us a tip on top of it. <laughs> um, it's just, like, just stupid stuff like that, but it's, it's hilarious. They came back. They came back to pay for the lobsters. They they, when they realized, like, yo, we got, I got six lobsters in my pocket or something. <laughs> oh my god, that's the best story. 
Yeah, it's just, it's just stuff so like many, that all the time. It's there's so many levels to that. Because you got to think, they went home, and they're like, what are we going to do with all these lobsters? <laughs> like, what do you even, like, yeah, like, and, if they're wet, they're like, they're dripping water. Like, what do you, do you drive home God. and put it on the chair beside you? Like, what do you do? And, and I think the best is, like, realizing. They wake up, I mean, oh, crap. Yeah, and also realizing that, Hey, we still want to go back to this restaurant. We don't want to be like, you know, shunned from the restaurant. We better go make this right. Oh my God, that's brilliant. So, what did your what did your mom say? It was awesome, and the fact that they, you know, like that they came back, they didn't really expect it. They just figured, you know, next time they they come, they'll probably compensate us, whatever. But they actually showed up the next day, waiting for us to open. Um, and then the tip part was what, like, kind of like blew my mom so away. Funny. Like that's these are you know they're good good people. They were just drunk, did something stupid, but... That's a great story. Yeah, just all sorts of little stupid stuff like that. Or, like, people like that tank. Another one is, like, someone had, like, a string or something, and they actually got a lobster, put it on the ground, tied a string around his neck, and, like, (laughs) this is my pet. And you guys are just like, okay. Yeah, like, you're you're buying that. Yeah, well, for sure, we're buying it, and they ate their pet that night. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) For the most part, like, everything's safe. There's nothing you have to worry about. But there has been like a couple, couple of small mm-hmm. fights, where like, you know, over a girl from, from the club, who knows, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, but like, yeah, people get into it every so often. But then again, the same thing. The next day, when they sober up, they'll come back and be like, hey, you know, I'm sorry we broke some dishes or whatever. Wow. Or and they would actually be really genuine and kind, and pay for whatever damage they did do. That's crazy. Honestly, that part of the story, I did not expect to hear yeah, that people totally come back to too. make things right yeah that's so interesting yeah and that happens like pretty much all the time if not every time and they come back they come back yeah wow that you know that just shows how the loyalty for the restaurant runs it so really is yeah it's crazy because people don't want to not be able to come back <laughs> right banned. right wow 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 that's crazy i grew up <clears throat> coming to this restaurant with my parents like for dinners my my story is very much the same, and you know, like later on when when I started going out, like this, it was like it was a no brainer to come here, and I remember very specifically, like the very first time, one of the very first times I came, like late at night, and um, and I heard about this this thing called specialty, and I had no idea what it was. I just thought it was like oh, like maybe it's like this cool like imported tea that they got, right, and. It's got special leaves, it's straight from China, whatever. And I was like, yeah, let's do it, right? Special tea, I'm game, right? Yeah. And then it comes and it's like, and it's not tea at all. It's something else. Okay. Uh, we don't have to say what it is, but it's, it's you know, there was kind of like this hush, hush, like, yeah. you know, uh, underground understanding of what special tea was. Can you tell me about, like, what special tea is, how did that come to be, and and without implicating people in anything yeah tell me about that like what what is specialty i i think i was just i was just as confused as you like when i was growing up like i kind of heard the term mm-hmm. um people saying it and stuff but i, I to be honest like you I, I had no idea what it was yeah. i thought it was just like like special herb tea or, <laughs> yeah. or whatever kind of a thing um but over time i kind of figured it out so specialty um is for late night restaurants that are open um people are you know they're still drunk they're still in the mood. They still feel great. They want to keep drinking. Um, but with laws, you know, wherever, you know, you can only drink or liquor is cut off after X mm-hmm. amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so some people, some places would 
pour some beer into a um, tea mug <laughs> and pour it into their teacup. Yeah. Because um, people who don't know when you walk by, you know, tea and beer are pretty similar in color yeah, yeah, yeah. and whatever. And yeah. <laughs> I, f- I feel like that's such a, it's such a unique segment of late night food culture because that would never ex- exist in, in in a lot of places. No, I think it's just an Asian thing. But like it's, it's, you kind of like Google it, look around. It's actually like a pretty well-known thing. Yeah. I think I've seen it in movies yeah. before where they kind of refer to it. After I had it that first time, I was like, this is such a strange but amazing thing. <laughs> And afterwards, you just, you want it all the time, right? Because it's like, it just feels like this, like, VIP thing. Yeah. Like, if you know, you know, right? That's true, that's true, VIP. That kind of evolution of, like, of the the late night food, the the specialty and all that kind of stuff. Do you feel that kind of all added to, like, this mystique of, like, Golden Inn being a late night place? Yeah, I think it it definitely has. Um, It's kind of weird, like, we get, like, a, a lot of tourists coming here. Um, a lot of times, like, you know, our, some of our servers, they're really friendly, really talkative, and they, they would ask them, hey, how'd you hear about this place? And a lot of times we'd be like, you know, hey, I actually read about you online. Mm-hmm. When I search, like, you know, best Chinese food, whatever, um, we come up, like, pretty high. A lot of times we're always, like, you know, running for top, like, Chinese restaurant, mm-hmm. top late-night restaurant. Mm-hmm. So we get a lot of, like, you know, publicity, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. going on. Um, but even, like, in, like, like, I... Like on the wall, there's a there's a thing that my mom framed. It's a newspaper clipping from a Hong Kong magazine. Oh wow! Um, saying, "Hey, you know, Calgary Stampede. It's a big thing. These are the top ten things to check out. So number one is like Calgary Stampede, Calgary Tower. I think Seventeen Ave is number five, yeah. and then Golden Inn is number seven on that list. Wow! And then number ten is like Glenmore Museum. Yeah. And so like internationally or wherever, um, we're known as a landmark. Like people come here when they're visiting they come to eat here um a lot of times you know we would ask people well, where they heard about us we're like i don't know we just got in a cab we're like hey take us to the best chinese restaurant yeah. and the cabs would just take them here yeah um and so just stuff like that just kind of built up over time where it's got this like aura around it which i don't know why or but yeah. it's, it's pretty incredible i have one last question and it's kind of uh it's a community question okay and the question is, there's a lot of mystery as to what's upstairs. Okay. Um, so I kind of, I did, I did a thing where I kind of like, I talked to a bunch of people and I was like, hey, like, do you know what's upstairs of Golden Inn or do you have any idea or what do you think is upstairs? So some people have said like, oh, it's like a gambling den. <laughs> like some people said like, oh, they like play mahjong up there. Some people yeah. said it's a private dining room. Yeah. Someone was like, um, oh, I like, uh, I bet you someone lives up there. Like maybe the chefs live up there or something like that. Yeah. Someone else was like, oh, it's storage. Um, <laughs> it's kind That's of awesome. this broad mix of like what yeah. people think. So my question to you is, what is upstairs of Golden Inn? I think it's a combination of everything um, since since the get-go. Um, so back in like the 70s and 80s, um, like this restaurant helped sponsor a lot of all of my family members mm. um, from China here to work at the restaurant. And a lot of them still work here. But when they first moved here, at first it was all rooms upstairs where they would stay. Mm-hmm. Um, so they work here and then basically have the room up there. Um, and that stopped a long, long time ago. And over time, it turned into a private 
VIP dining room, mm-hmm. um, and that's what it is now. Mm. Um, we actually renovated it a few years ago, where it's it's actually pretty nice compared to the downstairs. Wow. Um, where it's like private room, um, we fit like three big tables up there. Nice. Um, and then yeah, ever so often, you know, my parents they do and their friends do go upstairs and, and play. Play MJ, <laughs> which is why like a lot of times we are dining on the main floor and you could hear like I swear to God MJ I've heard it upstairs, right? I swear um, to God I've heard yeah, it. Which before. is a couple of guys, a couple of friends just just playing MJ. That that's about it. That's great. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Um, I think we all look forward to, you know, what's next for Golden Inn. I think a lot of us will are, are miss coming back here, uh, especially for late night eats. I know I I do for sure. Um, but yeah, thanks for your time, man. Like, is there is there anything else you want to talk about? Like, no, I think that's all right. Thank you. This was fun. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, and um, best of luck in everything you do. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Thanks. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Raymond for taking the time out to sit down with me, and I really appreciated your time and your stories. And I guarantee I'll never look at those lobsters the same again. We have episode two coming up shortly, where we chat with Su Yang Strang, the executive director of the new gallery an artist-run center right in the heart of Chinatown. Stay tuned. So we have a bunch of people who have made this podcast possible, and I just want to take a quick second to thank them now. Our producer, Vicky Van Chow. Our guest, Raymond Lau from Golden Inn Restaurant. Camera operator, Jeremy Pollock. Location sound, Brenda Sevilla. Our equipment has been provided by Dreadnought Digital, DCPI Film Services, and Philip Owen. Our production manager, Vicky Van Chow. Production sound is Rachel Sung. Music has been provided by Cold Soul Productions. Our artwork and design is by Visual Shogun. Of course, thank you to Tell a Story Hive, the National Screen Institute, and Jessica Gibson, and our mentor, Lisa Pruden. Special thanks to Amido Cafe, Muse Coffee Shop, and Sun's Barbecue for keeping us fed and caffeinated. And I'm your host, Gabriel Yee. This program was produced with the support of TELUS.